What a great time to be a Giant, be a fan of the Giants. Like we have something going here. We're building something special, and you know you can see it from the outside and inside. It's even more beautiful. Reflecting on everything that got me here, just to see that uniform, and you know I, I watched. That's the team I watched the most growing up. Cause my dad was a Giants fan. So once a Giant, always a Giant. For me, it's only a Giant. Welcome everybody to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by NorthJersey.com and the Record. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we are in the middle of game week. Kicked off Monday, now Tuesday, and it was hot and humid, boy, out here in East Rutherford, New Jersey, in the shadow of the MetLife Stadium, at the Giants facility. But the week has begun. Giants, Cowboys, Sunday night, season opener, it doesn't really get any bigger than this. For a Giants team hoping to prove itself after being swept by the Cowboys last year and by the Eagles, by the way, 0-5 against the top two teams in the division. Other than the 49ers, maybe the top two teams in the NFC. And a new year brings new challenges, but certainly the Giants believe the arrow is pointing up. On today's show package some interviews together for you so hopefully you guys will enjoy them first i catch up with the rookie corners tay and trey tay banks first rounder trey hawkins the third the sixth rounder they will likely be in the starting lineup on sunday night eyeing dak prescott having to deal with michael gallup and brandon cooks with cd lamb inside in the slot Facing a Dory Jackson who kicks inside. I've had several conversations with Banks and Hawkins over the last couple weeks. I think you'll enjoy just a taste of what it was like being at their locker last week. So a little bit of reference to what they were going to do last weekend, being away from the team. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Two different personalities. We have them packaged together. So Tay will go first, then Trey. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Definitely two different styles of interviewing. Tay is a fast talker. He's got that Baltimore accent. You feel me? You feel me? You guys will have an enjoyment of that. But I wanted to bring you into the locker room for those two interviews. They're right next to each other. The two lockers are together. They were 36 and 37 numbers-wise. Now Banks is 25, uh, and they've really been working well together. As Adoree Jackson said yesterday, they're like two peas in the pod. There are two guys that you would think have known each other forever, and they really just met rookie minicamp back in May. So I hope you enjoyed those interviews. And then later in the show, we'll go down memory lane a little bit. With New York sports producer Todd Ehrlich. Todd has a new book out about sports memories in New York. Giants are heavily involved. We talked about that. We talked about his book signing on Thursday at Bookends in Ridgewood. So anyone in the Bergen County area, make sure you go check it out. If you're a crossover Yankees fan, Jim Layritz will be there with Todd. So uh, Todd's a good dude. Has been worked in this area for a long time. Also works on PIX. And those of you who followed me last year, I was on PIX last week, uh, last year. Uh, 
every other week. This year, it looks like I'm going to be on every week post game with my report from the stadium, both home and away on PIX. So we brought Todd on the show to talk about his book. I think he dropped some interesting stories, so we go back and forth. I think you'll enjoy that. But up first, let's go to Tay Banks and Trey Hawkins. What I joked about the other day, you and Trey together, I would imagine you've developed a pretty good friendship. Yeah, that's my guy. Uh, really um, my guy. What's that What's that been like, to, you know, getting to know somebody and, you know, playing the same position? And- um... I don't know, it kind of make you like, yeah, you, it kind of make you compete harder because like both of y'all competitive and y'all, I mean, I don't know, it just, it just boosts y'all confidence really. Because like, first of all, we both come in as rookies and now we basically, we almost might, even might start right the first game of the season together. So it's like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know, it's a good vibe. Feel good. And we both confident in each other that we can do whatever we need to do to how this team went. Now, I heard you guys have really been trying to help each other and swapping clips and stuff. What's that been like? Um, no, just like if I see something on film, I, I see it, send it to him. If he sees something, he send it to me, and then we just talk about it. So, Is that is that something different than you would have done? I mean, you had a close DB group down in Maryland. Yeah. Did you guys do similar things yeah. that you kind of brought here? That's what I kind of – I kind of – that's what I – yeah, I kind of brought what I had at Maryland to – here, so I started sending him clips because we used to send each other clips. Like my safeties used to send me clips, and we used to just talk about what's, what we gotta do, talk through what the, these route concepts or whatever. So. In terms of like what you see from the offense, or are you actually critiquing like some of each other's plays of what? Uh, seeing what we see from the offense, we see what we see from the offense. Like as far as like critiquing each other, we we let Coach Rome and Wink do that. So yeah. I mean, I don't, we don't really. I mean, we if we meet together, like we say, like, oh, you could have did this better, or but we yeah. don't really. You feel me? We worry about the other team. How, how would you compare your games? You've obviously watched them. What, we, what both, we both good size corners, physical, light to press. Like it's just a. I don't know. We kind of like a a real match for each other. Like we kind of like. I don't know. What about personality wise? Uh, he more a quiet guy. Like he more of a quiet dude. I'm more of a funny. Goofy type of guy. See, when you came in, I I thought you were gonna be a shy guy, quiet. Nah, I'm cool. Uh, like I'm real. Like I'm trying to be. I try to speak to everybody every day. Like I'm a real energetic guy. Coach I keep Baker, my energy up. Coach Baker down in Maryland told me that for you, you you know, you get to know him. So yeah. get to know him because they'll start opening up for sure. Um, like, but you do. I don't really open up to everybody. But like. Once I feel comfortable, I'm going to open up. If I'm not comfortable, then I'm a real quiet person. How much would you say that you guys have developed together? I mean, you've been uh-huh. you've been together a lot this summer. Yeah. Like I said, I joked that you two being next to each other, you're sick of each other uh-huh. already. But... I don't know. We've grown, we grew together a lot. I don't know. Like, we just kind of just grew up. Like, the first time we ever seen each other was in a rookie minicamp. And from there... We just like been cool ever since. Just struck it off. Yeah, like it's been we've been real tight ever since. Um, have you begun to think about what next week is going to be like? Finally prepping for a game, breaking down film. I'm just ready for next week. Like whatever we got coming, I'm ready for. It. Like I'm just ready. What do you like on game days? What, what what's your personality I feel, like? I like to be. See me, person. I like to keep everything regular. Like. I like to keep everything like it's a regular day. You feel me? Mm-hmm. That way, I'm still on my. I'm a, I got a regular mindset. I ain't too uptight. I ain't too. Feel me? But I'm not loose and goofy as I usually am. But I'm still laughing. You feel me? Having fun because this football shit to me is fun. I mean, that's my hobby. Like it's one of my hobbies. I love to do this shit. So I'm not gonna. You feel me? 
do this or do that just to right. do you do you have a routine like a game day routine that yeah. you will oh, stick yes. to here yeah. like how much of it is you know on your own watching film at home you know taking oh yeah all, all, I, all I do is watch I've been watching a bunch of film on the Cowboys so far but as far as like game day like game day I got my own routine What's, what's it like? Take me inside a little bit. What do you do? I like doing. First of all, I like this. Listen to us. Uh, listen to all my all my favorite rappers. Baby. Gonna like. I like to just, you feel me? I like, like I told you, I like to make it a regular day. I don't want to make it too, you feel me? Yeah. So whereas though, like, everything got to change. I got to, this got to be a certain way or that got to be a certain way. Like, you know, it's a regular day. Let's just go out there and play football. Do you, are you a guy who likes to envision what it's going to be like? Or are you just one of those, you know, let me run out and I mean, I try, I try to envision, like, me intercepting the ball or making a tackle or, you feel me, trying to score a touchdown. As far as, like, anything else now, I don't know, man. be tough. I had to visualize me making plays. When did you learn how to, you know, at what age did you start learning how to break down, like, opponents, studying quarterbacks, stuff like that? In college. In high school, college. I was going off straight. Athletics is skill. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Like, but like, not, since then, I didn't start like really watch film and see what's going on. As a scout, are you good at picking up tendencies? Yeah, do you think? Or to me, I think I am because I respond well to watching a lot of film. I just, I, I just feel like I do. Like once I watch a lot of film, I feel confident going into the game, and I feel real comfortable. That's why, I, like, that's where I, that's where I excel. Because if I'm comfortable out there, I'm having fun. I'm in my mode. You feel me? Yeah. So I feel like I be comfortable. How how much do you break that once the season starts? How much do you break down your own game, or do you let oh, Coach Rome do that? Oh, I gotta always bring down my own because, like, I know what I you feel me, I know what I expected myself, so I gotta always set my I hold myself to a certain standard, so I always gotta watch my film, make sure I'm on my, on my I'm on my, you feel me, yeah, just to make sure I'm good. Gotcha. What are you plans for the weekend? Staying around, um, you going home a little bit? I might stay around, I'm staying around for sure. Yeah. Will you, will you kind of guy that will continue through your film? study over the weekend and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna keep watching film all day. Like I just feel like it, by making you by keep watching it, you're making your your mind remember what's going on and you make your mind you feel me get ready for the game. So I'm just ready to play. I am I'm trying to play. How much have you watched Dallas so far? Uh, I watched Dallas a lot. I probably spent like two hours, maybe two hours. No two hours are short, but Two hours for sure, so I don't know. Watch a lot of film because it's my first game. Like, right? I don't know. You feel me? I don't know what's going on. So, right. have you asked some of the veterans about what the first game's gonna be like? Um, no, I ain't really asked them because I kind of had a little taste in Detroit because Detroit was kind of packed. Right. Detroit was packed, so it's a good day. It was a cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Just talking to Tay about you know the two of you guys and how you've grown together. Um, what what's that been like for you, and how helpful is it to be, to have another rookie with you, kind of going through the same stuff you guys are going through? Um, I know the entire rookie class helps each other out, yeah. but for the two of you guys, it seems like you've created a kind of special bond together so far. Yeah, I mean it's great having another rookie, just because you know when you're a rookie, you got that um that curiosity and that certain urge of just learning. So we kind of feed off.
off each other with that. So it, it helps a lot when we both have that that same intensity of wanting to learn, that same urge of learning. Have you ever had a, a you know your other corner? Did you have that kind of relationship with guys in college? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always been close to uh, my teammates. Um, you know, you said that you guys are kind of swapping swapping clips back and forth and trying to help each other out. If you see something, he sees something. What's that been like? I mean, it's been good. I mean, um, knowledge is power, so I feel like it's been good. We've been getting knowledge of the Cowboys. Every clip that we see is just another intel of, of we just been getting knowledge on every clip that we see, so I think it's a good thing. Is that fun for you to do the film work, to do the film yeah. study, and have you always done that, or is it something you learn through college? I mean, um, I've done it, but um, also it's more intense now that I'm in the NFL. Like, I'm, I'm trying to pride myself on that film study. Um, what's your what's your note taking like? Um, right, it, it all depends. You study different formations. You study receivers. You can study um, tendencies. It all depends on that the moment, like that particular day what I'm studying. It. Do you what, will you also break down quarterback Jason and what kind of tendencies he may have? Um, not as much because we're much of a press team. You can't look at the quarterback and press. So. It's a good point. Yeah, not as much, but um, sometimes it's good to know what he likes. You know what he likes in different formations, especially when playing off in his zone. It's good to know what he likes. Like, yeah. How would you compare your personalities, you and Ted? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I can't. That's a hard question to ask. Answer. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's for y'all guys. I don't care. I don't well, know. as far as the personalities go, I don't really know. Like, I don't know how to compare. It's just like, like what's he? What's he like? What's Tay like? Uh, he more outgoing. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Like, that's all okay. I can say. It's, it's okay. hard to. Um, have you? I know I talked to you the other day when you said you know going into the weekend and it's basically it's it's game time now, like game mode yeah. now, getting ready for next week. Yeah. Um, with each passing day, do you anticipate it kind of getting more and more exciting, eager? How would you describe it? I can say you would say that, but I just try to keep a, a mellow head, just try to keep it, keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, like you said, you can't really control your emotion when it comes to that. It's going to be my first um, rookie uh, game coming up, so in-season game. So, I mean, emotions are high, but um, I'm just trying to mellow them out and stay balanced. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank it. Have a great weekend. You too. So thanks to Tay Banks and Trey Hawkins III for giving me the time in the locker room last week. Uh going to be very interesting to see how they perform Sunday night. Uh, sounds like they're ready. Looks like they're ready. It'll be interesting to see if they are ready. You know the Cowboys are going to try to do what they can to attack them a little bit. Uh, but I I like what I see in attitude, uh, their approach. Uh, and I think you got a little taste of that with uh, the locker interviews uh, with Tay and Trey. So as I teased in the beginning of the show we got my interview with Todd Ehrlich like I said let's take a walk down memory lane Super Bowl 42 Super Bowl 21 Super Bowl 25 a lot of good stories hope you enjoy them all right joining me now Todd Ehrlich longtime sports producer you know him well if you're on the New York sports scenes worked for WABC WNBC and 
WCBS, now with PIX11, and that's how I got the chance to meet Todd, but he's a long-time fixture in New York sports. Todd, thanks for joining me. Oh, Art. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, as, as you know, but your listeners don't, I uh, went to Dwight Englewood School here in Englewood, grew up in Bergen County, I live in Rivervale now, and I'm excited to to talk to you because your papers would showed up on my doorstep every morning and how I learned about New York sports as a, as a kid and it's just great to talk to you. That's that's awesome. That's appreciated as uh, you know as usual we come on here and we want to focus on the Giants but you've got a new book out and I think it's cool. I just got my copy The 20 Greatest Moments in New York Sports History Our Generation of Memories from 1960 to today uh tell me first for you i know this is your first book so it's a milestone uh how did this come about and for you was it hard to sit down and narrow it down to 20 great moments in new york sports history so two two questions um it is beyond a milestone writing a book is the hardest thing i've ever done in in my career um, and I've, I've worked on a lot of projects in my career, and, and I'm exceedingly, exceedingly proud of it. I did over 100 interviews, and that's how it came about. Um, for me, sports is the one thing that really helps galvanize a community. After a huge giant win, you know, for example, Monday morning after they crushed the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, <laughs> you walk into your local coffee shop, it doesn't matter. You'll take a look at the person next to you standing in line to buy coffee. You'll be like, how about the Giants? I mean, Saquon went off last night, right? Huge win, 1-0 in the division. You know, we won a playoff game last year. Ready to roll. And it's just something that brings people together. So, yeah, so for me, I have a six-year-old that I'm, I'm – raising here in Rivervale, New Jersey. And I wanted him to know about New York sports. So I thought if I could put together a book about our generation of memories, it'd be something that I could share with him. And it's my hope that fathers around New York and, and Bergen County can share these moments and these stories with their son, but also with their fathers. You know, so I think it's something that can, hey, you know, dad took me to this game or we watched this game together. So I'm hoping that these stories can really help bring families together. Um, and then the 20 greatest moments, quite frankly, I sat down and, and I, I wrote up a list. And then, you know, I brought, I brought um, Gary Myers into the project and we went through the list and, you know, there were, three giant moments that we thought um, were huge. Super Bowl 21 with uh, Sims almost perfect. 25 where Haas is a, is a Super Bowl hero and OJ predicted that he would be the MVP. Um, and then 42 with the helmet catch. So we've got three giant chapters that um, I think I think your, your fans and the people that read and listen to you will really love it. I've got, you know, some great stories about all three of them that I would, 
you know, love to share with you. Of course, of course. Let, let's start. You have David Tyree, you wrote your foreword. Um, tell me about your relationship with Tyree, and he's obviously a fixture from Super Bowl 42 with the helmet catch, as you mentioned. Um, what did what kind of spotlight or what did Tyree share that maybe you didn't know when you sat down with him to talk about uh, Super Bowl 42? Great question. Well, uh, I've known Tyree um, for, you know, about 15 years. You know, he, he came on and was gracious enough to come on, on my CBS shows. And, and obviously, you know, he was a guy that, you know, was a was an all pro, was a special teams player, and and you know he just you could see on the field he was giving every ounce of effort, and then he authored um, probably the signature moment in the history of the Super Bowl. And think about that for a second. It's uh, it's incredible. The Super Bowl is the biggest um, event every year in our country and the biggest moment and the biggest event in our country, David Tyree, made the helmet catch. So I spoke to him about it and, you know, I had heard, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your readers had heard that the Friday practice didn't exactly go well. So yeah. he's, you know, he's a, he's a Syracuse wide receiver. He's, he's a guy that, that, that he, his teammates all love because I spoke to a lot of his teammates. He's finally getting his chance to play receiver. And in a huge moment in the Super Bowl, Friday practice is like dress rehearsal, right? So he goes out there. Toomer told me he couldn't catch a cold. He was dropping everything. He, he told me he had the worst practice he's ever had in his history as an athlete. Afterwards, what I didn't know if Eli went up to him and encouraged him and said, quote, you're a gamer, I know you'll be ready. And I spoke to Eli and, and he confirmed that story. And I said, what made you do that? And he said, look, I always believe, I always trust my guys. If you don't trust your gut, you're gonna hesitate on everything. Well, think about it, Art. He hesitated on the helmet catch, on that throw. I mean, he chucked up a wounded duck to him. and said, Tyree, you make a play at the most critical moment, third, third along in the Super Bowl, right? If it's deflected, Eli said it's intercepted. You never throw over the middle, but he needed to make a play at that point. And he trusted his guy, and David came up with the helmet catch, one of the most improbable and incredible catches, you know, in football history. So I said to David, who's become, you know, a, a good friend, and, and he, he's helped me out on, on, on a bunch of my shows, like I said, at CBS, and now here at Picks. So I said, I said, David, I'm sure that when people come up to you, they bring up the helmet catch, and they tell you where they were, or what. Do you have any stories that really stand out? And this one took my breath away. He said... You know, it's, he's, he's a very upbeat guy and he got very serious. He said one fan came up to me and shared that his grandfather was on his deathbed and the entire family watched the game together. His grandfather was only expected to live another month. But he ended up living six months longer and it was their contention 
that it was because they shared so much joy by watching the Super Bowl win by the Giants and Tyree's helmet catch. And he says that it's the most humbling and overwhelming thing that anybody's ever said to him. And that's, that is the impact of sports. And that's, it brings families together, it brings communities together. And so I was, I was really blown away by that. And, and I asked David to do the foreword for me because that win upsetting the Patriots, ruining their perfect season, and then the helmet catch on top of it made it the number one moment, so David was kind enough to um, to do the foreword for my book. Well, yeah, Tyree, I mean, you're talking about, like you said, in the span of 48 hours, going from that Friday practice to what ended up happening in the Super Bowl, and it doesn't hurt that the entire vaunted offensive line decided not to block on that single play, and <laughs> Allowed uh, allowed Eli to kind of search around, and I love how Eli jokes in, in you know now looking back on it how he almost threw it to Chris Snee, which would have ended the play immediately with an illegal forward pass. But that's great stuff from Tyree. Tyree always has those moments. You know, it's funny how forty two becomes the signature moment, like you said, but. 21 and 25, uh, you know, without those two Super Bowls, obviously, for a lost generation of Giants fans that has gotten to the point where they've kind of been pushed to the side by by the new, you know, Eli Strahan uh, generation. Let's go back a little bit to, to 25 first, and then we can go all the way to 21 with Sims. Uh, with 25, the wide right, I had the opportunity to talk to a bunch of those guys on the anniversary a couple years ago. What did you gain from that? game uh, in I believe it was in Tampa right that that year of course. Um, of course in the wide right with the Buffalo Bills what what was special about that uh, that you included in your moment well I've got um, I've got I guess three three quick things um, one that stood out to me that I was blown away with is um, kind of like Babe Ruth OJ uh, called his shot. He said when he was at the U back in 79, um, if I ever play in a Super Bowl in the state of Florida, there's no doubt as the feature back, I'll be the MVP. And nobody, I mean, you know, Super Bowl 21, he barely played it, and Parcells is a thank you, sent him in on, you know, uh, goal to go short yardage to score a touchdown as a thank you for everything that, you know, he had done in football and done for the Giants. So certainly in 25, no one thought that that was going to be his moment, but he was the MVP. The other thing that really stood out to me from those stories is it was during the, the Gulf War. Right. So, yeah, the MVP always, you know, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Disney World. Well, they gave the MVP, which turned out to be OJ, a chance to dedicate it to the troops if he wanted to. And, and that's what he said. He goes, I want to dedicate this win to our troops. So he, he, as the MVP, is the only MVP not to say I'm going to Disneyland. So I thought, you know, and, and he just said that what what the soldiers were doing, you know, in the Gulf War for our country just meant so much to him that, that that's something that 
that he wanted to do and wanted to share. And he said that he knew that the troops would be watching the Super Bowl and he wanted to thank them. Um, and then that reminded me of, um, of, of a story that Haas told. And so, you know, Haas, during that year, as, as you know, but some of your fans may not, had decided that was it. He was tired of being a backup to Sims. It wasn't a time where there was free agency and, and movement. He was going to be a giant. And he was going to retire and go back to West Virginia and figure something out. But he was done with playing football. And he's a, he's a guy that, I mean, he played special teams. And Art, you'll know, he blocked a punt in, in Philadelphia in Super Bowl Twenty One. He almost made the game as a receiver. Because they were short and he was running routes. He would do anything to get on the field. So he finally gets his chance. And he's another guy that his teammates just loved and trusted. Um, and they knew that he'd be ready because he had been spending his career practicing against what they think was one of the best defenses in the NFL, the Giants defense. So he finally gets his chance when Sims gets hurt. He goes on a winning streak. He wins the NFC Championship game. And again, this is during the Gulf War. He's doing interviews afterwards. And the great John Madden says, I want to interview you. And he's like, listen, the only way I'm doing that is if Bill holds the buses for us. And Bill is not going to hold the buses. <laughs> Madden's like, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Come down, do the interview. So reluctantly, he wanders down, he does the interview with John Madden. There's six giant buses. He goes back up afterwards and there's nothing but vapor. There's, I mean, nothing. There's not one bus, there is nothing there. And he's freaking out and he's standing there and he doesn't know what to do. And it's not like they're gonna be in the terminal because it's during the Gulf War. So they're going straight onto the tarmac. He turns around and there's John Madden laughing. And he's like, well, I guess you were right. He did it, didn't he? Hey, don't worry about it. I'll get you there. So Haas has no choice. He hitches a ride on the Madden Cruiser, which I think is pretty cool. Um, they go cruising and, and he's like, yeah, John, not the least bit worried. We're talking about the game. We're just going back and forth. Next thing he knows, he pulls up to the back gate. He's, he's like, where are we? He looks. They're opening the back gate, boom. They're driving onto the tarmac. He's like, I knew Madden had pulled, but never did much. <laughs> Pulls up to the plane, walks up onto the plane, looks to the right, his first seat, there's Bill. Bill's laughing, just looks at him, smiles and nods his head, doesn't say a word as if to say, well done, kid, and off to Tampa they go. Wow, that's uh, hilarious! Crazy, right? Very good. Yeah, that <clears throat> that one was that one is. Uh, I had never heard that one. That's that's special. That's definitely unique. Um, and obviously, that that's pretty cool to to have something like that. Uh, you know, in, in your book. Uh, let's do the let's do the the first one for the Giants in in twenty one, and obviously. Phil Sims, as you mentioned, as close to perfect as possible um, as you can get as a quarterback. Uh, it's kind of funny. A couple weeks ago at Giants practice, Phil's youngest son, Matt, who you know well, I know well, uh, when I covered him in high school and his, really his entire football career, uh, showed up wearing a Super Bowl twenty one 
championship shirt uh, that from the Giants. And I kind of laughed and, and said, boy, you know, I know you weren't born then. And he kind of laughed and he said, no, but it's probably probably one of those moments that creates. I always joke that I, I was born because of Super Bowl 21. Tell me about what you got from Phil uh, from that game and, and why it belonged in, in your uh, in your list. So, so Phil tells me that he's warming up and, and one of his quarterback coaches who always called him Blondie is like, hey, Blondie, you're really ripping it today. And he's, he's like, I don't feel any different, you know? Uh, felt okay in, 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 in pregame. And he went into the game and, you know, uh, he just said that he concentrated on the process. What was the next play? What was the next play? What? And all of a sudden you're 22 for 25. So, you know, I was, I was interested in that and, and I was really, you know, it made me think about sports on all levels. And, you know, for me, I play golf and, and when I'm out there, you know, you know, bring the club straight back, okay, from the, you know, when I'm overthinking, I play terribly and tight. And, and that's what he said, you know, he wasn't thinking, he was just winging it. And 22 for 25 is, is, is pretty darn good. He said, I wish I could have done that in every game. And he also said that that changed his life. And he knew at the time that it would, it was important and being the Super Bowl MVP and, and, and the Super Bowl champion was important. And he talked about, you know, giant fans and how much they expected. and especially how close they sat in the old giant stadium and and there would be dialogues going back and forth and he could hear everything they were saying and they could be tough on them and and parcells used to always tell them hey when you're done playing they're going to appreciate you and a lot more than they are now now they might be a little tough on you and and he said that it changed his life and quite frankly he wouldn't have been at cbs sports where you know i also worked and and got to know him a, um, a little bit better without being a Super Bowl MVP. Um, and then an offshoot of being an MVP uh, happened to Phil McConkey, and this is a story that I didn't know. And, and like I said, I, I interviewed over 100 people. And my favorite line that, that athletes or, or broadcasters or you know, people that covered the game would say to me is, I got a story that I've never shared before. And, and Phil shared this story with me, and I had never heard it. And I obviously covered, um, you know, um, the Giants forever and, and thought I knew most of the stories. He said that he had two dreams in life, and he was a smaller fellow. One was to be a pilot, so he joined the Navy and became a pilot because he's like, I don't know, my second one, which is to be a receiver in the NFL. And ultimately, you know, like every kid in the backyard catch a touchdown pass to the Super Bowl, you know, would that dream would ever come true because of his size. So he, he joins the Navy, comes out, he's like, I'm going to give it a shot. He makes the Giants. He's a gritty wide receiver. Everyone loved him. Towel-waving guy. I mean, he was just the best. I mean, a fan favorite. So he now is living out his second dream. So he's standing on the sidelines, he's looking up, he sees the clock counting down, you know, three, two, one. He's jumping up and down, he runs onto the field. In the middle of the mayhem, he looks down and he says it was the most surreal experience of his life. 
he sees a Magnum 357 gun lying there in the middle of the field. Well, his military training kicks in. He picks it up. He keeps it pointed to the ground to make sure that it's safe, right? And what he didn't know is because he was behind Sims, by happenstance, the cameras from CBS that broadcasted the game were following him. So this story is so old that the CBS switchboard, yep, they had a switchboard, was flooded with calls, <laughs> screaming, why did McConkie have a gun in his helmet, right? So um, he says that he told you know, people afterwards, he goes, well, you know what? I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, helped my team win a championship, and I saved some lives all in a day's work. <laughs> so I, I, that story I got a kick out of. That is that is pretty funny. Could you imagine if that happened now, how viral that would go, go on Twitter and X and Instagram and wherever else someone posts stuff? That That's crazy. Uh, listen, Todd, you've got a book here that you have interviews, not only with the ones you mentioned with Giants greats, but Joe Nate. Amos, Walt Clyde Frazier, Jesse Orozco, Mark Messier, Aaron Judge. And before we end up, before we finish this, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out your, your book signing in Ridgewood, in our neck of the woods on, I believe it's Thursday night. So why don't you give the details to the listeners? Well, I mean, Art, thank you, thank you, thank you for, um, for putting me on. Um, you know, the, the people in Bergen County uh, love you, listen to you, and follow you, and I couldn't ask for a, a better place to be able to share that my very first book, which I um, co-authored with the great uh, and New York Times bestselling author, Gary Myers, um, we're having a book signing at Bookends in Ridgewood this Thursday night, like you said, from 7 to 9 with 1996 World Series hero Jim Leyritz. All of us will be there um, to sign the book. Um, if you go on the Bookends website, um, they want you to sign up and, and, and get a book, and that book is your ticket in, and, you know, then you can, you know, you'll end up with uh, three people's signatures, and, you know, I'm, I've got... You know, many more stories about uh, the Giants and Jets and Knicks and uh, I spoke to Messier and Namath about their guarantees and happy to share those personal stories with people. Um, and uh, Jim Leverich has, has a great story, um, which I will just share very quickly, that everyone knows that Bucky Dent um, borrowed Mickey Rivers back to hit his famous home run in Fenway to win that and they go on to win a World Series. Um, what they don't know is that Rivers told me there was a home run in the back. Both of them confirmed that for me. While I was talking to Leyritz, Jim Leyritz ended up using Strawberry's bat because he only had two bats left to face Smoltz the next day and Wallers was throwing over 100. He didn't want to break one of those two bats. He saw a brand new box of Strawberry's bats. They said, hey, Strawman, can I borrow it? He hit his famous home run, which turned around the first World Series and yep. they wrote in the book. They never would have won four out of five without the first one and they wouldn't have won it without Jim Leyritz. So, the straw man helped with that and Jimmy said that he had never told anyone that story. 
So please come out to bookends this Thursday at 7 p.m. in Ridgewood. And we've got a million stories like that that we'll share with you. And, and I think people like the book. It's I tried to write a book that would bring a smile to people's faces. And, you know, hopefully that's what I did. Well, for all your years as a sports producer in this town, you can now add another title. That's author Todd Ehrlich uh, from one Bergen County guy to the to another. Congratulations. Appreciate you joining me all on All In this week. And uh, I'm sure there are Giants fans listening who hope that your prediction at the beginning of the interview about the Giants and Cowboys Sunday night uh, actually comes true. Well, me too. I, I, I appreciate you, Art. Thank you so much for the time. Absolutely, Todd. Appreciate it. And... Uh, and that's Todd Ehrlich, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Some memories through the years of Giants. Uh, I like the stories about McConkey and the gun. I had never heard that one before. Uh, so thanks to Todd. Best of luck for him and his book. And uh, we'll catch you up tomorrow. Thanks for always being all in. We're all in with you.